36a, okay? So, Hasam Tanan. So, we learned in a Mishnah over there, right? The, the Gemara is about to discuss, as Rashi says, another Shaila, another, another question to be asked. The Mishnah in Shabbos says, You're not allowed to clear out the, the storehouse, the place where you store things, because that's considered to be Mukta. It was set aside for Shabbos, and you're not allowed to take it out. And Shmuel says, What does it mean when it says, you cannot take out the oitzer. You cannot take out the storehouse. What it means is, You're not supposed to empty out the entire storehouse, right? So let's say it has a couple of bundles in it. Don't empty out all of them. Leave some over. Why? The concern is like this. When a storehouse is being used currently to store things, then you're not going to come and store and try to um, smooth out the ground. In, in the Gemara's times, they had dirt floors. And, and we know there's a takana. And you're not supposed to brush the floor on Shabbos. You're not supposed to sweep the floor on Shabbos when you have a dirt floor. When you sweep the floor, you might come to Ashviye Gumas. You might come to level out little holes in the ground. Okay? So the same concern would be for a barn. That if you emptied out the barn, the storage house completely, then what will happen is you'll come to smooth out the floor. If you didn't empty it out completely, you're not going to smooth out the floor because, A, it's not empty. So psychologically, it's not something that's ready to be cleaned. And also, physically speaking, it's not, not so easy to clear it when there's stuff still on the floor. Hachamai. What's the halacha on yamtif? Right? On, on yamtif, are you allowed to clear it out fully? Hasamu b'shabbos to asr. Maybe in Mesech the Shabbos, it's only referring to Shabbos, and that's why it's asr to clear it out. Mishum d'chamer, your Shabbos is more stringent than yamtif. Aliyamtif they kill, but yamtif, which is more lenient. Shabbat dummy, maybe indeed it would be permitted, permissible to actually clear it out on yamtif. Aydilma, hasam the ikka bitl base medrash over there on Shabbos, when it's causing bitl base medrash, it's causing bitl from learning theta. Amrit lay, over there it's not permitted to clear it out. Hacha, but over here on yamtif, the lack of bitl base medrash, that there's no bitl base medrash, like all shagain, then certainly it should be forbidden, right? Baachat tanan. Baiter. And over here, it's taught in the Mishnah, yeah. You're allowed to lower the peris, to lower the fruits down through a aruba, through a aruba, which is in uh, in, uh, in Parshish Nayach, right? In Yana right? So you're allowed to lower through the aruba, through the skylight on Yamtiv. That's only true when it's on the same roof, the rooftop upon which typically you're drying out the fruits, right? In those days, they would often dry out fruits, and this is one of those cases that we're referring to here. They dried out the fruits on top of this roof. So when you're drying out the fruits on top of that roof, then you're allowed to lower it. But you're not allowed to move from one roof to a different roof that you were never drying on in the first place, and then lower it through the skylight. like this as well. You're not allowed to move things from a roof of one place to a roof of another place. And even when the roofs are literally means equal, but in this example, what it means is that they're level with each other. In other words, you're not going to have to worry about lifting stuff up from one rooftop to another rooftop that's higher, or lowering it. They're actually on the same exact level. Hasam amai, what's that lach over there on Shabbos, right? So the Gemara says, Over here, it's forbidden because yamtiv is more lenient. And since yamtiv is more lenient, therefore, we said... Um, we said that we should be more, and therefore you're going to come to be more lenient, right? This is a principle that we've constantly been coming up against in Masech Tzbeah, which is that if Yomtev in general is more lenient and people treat it more leniently, well, then we have to be more stringent for the sake of ensuring that people don't completely disrespect it, right? You know, a similar idea we had in Masech Yuma regarding the Paraduma, right? That we're, to some extent, we're more stringent about Toma, to some extent, we're actually more lenient because we're more lenient, therefore we have to be more stringent so people will not be, Completely disrespecting it. 
Abel Shabbos to Chamir with Shabbos, which in general is a more Chamir Dika Yisr. It's a very stringent uh, prohibition that you're dealing with. And no one's going to come to, to disrespect it. No one's going to come to it, treat it lightly, right? So therefore, Shabbat Dami, then maybe it's fine. And maybe indeed it's permitted to do that even from roof to roof. Or perhaps we say, even on Yamtev over here, and there's a loss of the fruits if you don't transfer it now. We still say it's not permissible to do it. Hasam over there, the leka have superiors. There's not going to be any loss of fruits. Like Kalshkin, is it not more obvious than that it needs to be, that it would certainly be forbidden? Again, next place. Okay. Hacha tenat. Lo yishal shalim. You're not allowed to lower bechabel bechaloines. Not allowed to lower it attached to a rope through the windows. But lo yiridim derach sulamis. You can't bring them down going down ladders. Hasamai. What's the halach over there on shops? Only over here on Yamtev, who the Asr, that's why it's forbidden to do it, the Lekha Bitl based Medrash, because there's not going to cause any uh, level of, of um, causing that people will not end up learning. Aval Shabbos, when it's Shabbos, Ikab Bitl based Medrash, where there's going to be a causing a loss of Torah learning. Shabbat Dami, indeed, then it's permissible to do it in the fastest possible way, and it would be permitted. Or perhaps we say, Haha, over here, the Ikab have Sipiris, where there's going to be a loss of fruits. Amrit Lay, and still we say it's not permitted. Awesome over there. The lack of superiors where there's no loss of fruits, like Kalshikain, is it not then obvious that it should be forbidden? Teku. The more ends with a teku. We're leaving this question undecided until at the maybe until Elio Navi comes or whichever, you know, teku. It stands in this place. Talk the next Gemara. Umechas <clears throat> and you're allowed to cover over the fruits. Amra Ula Ula says, Afilu Avira de Livni. And even if you have um, Avira de Livni, which means bricks that are not piled up very tightly, they're piled up loosely, you're allowed to cover them up, even though you wouldn't be allowed to move the bricks themselves, because these bricks are meant to be used for construction purposes and are there for Mukta. Yitzchak says, Only fruits that are able to be used are, have to, are allowed to be covered on shops. Otherwise, it's considered using something for the sake of something that's Mukta. Yitzchak is more stringent about Mukta, and he says, in general, the fact that you're allowed to use vessels on Shabbos, it's only true when the usage, when, sorry, the item for which you are using, the vessel, is an item that is actually permissible to be used on Shabbos. And therefore, if the bricks that are only construction purpose bricks are Mukta, so Yitzchak would say you're not allowed to use it. Tanan, we learned in the Mishnah. You're allowed to cover over the fruits with, vessel, with the vessels or garments. Peres. So only fruits in Avira delivery light, but regular bricks you're not allowed to use this for. Who It's actually true that even about Avira delivery, even about using a stack of bricks, it's permissible. Since it says in the beginning that you're allowed to lower fruits, you also thought in the least in the second case that you're allowed to cover fruits. So it couldn't didn't have to speak about fruits. It was Lavdafka. It could have spoken about other vessels too. Tanan, we learned in the Mishnah. And so two jugs of wine and jugs of oil. Implication would be, but not bricks. What are we talking about over here? We're talking about things that are tevel. The tevel, which are things that have not yet had the trumas of was taken. And therefore, the same way the Yavira delivni, the bricks cannot be used. And therefore, and even though they can't be used on Yom and therefore you can't move them, you're still allowed to cover them. Then so too, the, the, if by the tevel you're allowed to do that, then why can't you do the same thing by the bricks? This also makes sense. Everything over here, we're dealing with jugs of wine and jugs of oil. They're already permissible to be used. We already taught that in the first, first part of the Mishnah. We said, Paris, they're allowed to cover fruits. 
So what would be the additional chiddush when we said that it was also It's the same exact case. Things that you are permitted to move on Yom Tif, you're allowed to cover them. Well, why wouldn't you be allowed to cover them? That's already learned that from the first case. The Gemara says, no, not so simple. It's actually necessary to say explicitly jugs of wine and jugs of oil. I might have thought to say, maybe Chazal were only concerned about a hefsin merulah, about a large loss. And what will happen is if rain is coming down on fruits, it's going to destroy them. If rain is coming down on jugs of wine or jugs of oil, it will not destroy them. But for small losses, they weren't so concerned. Therefore, we say, no, it actually, we're even concerned for the small ones and we allow you to cover them. We learned in a mission. We learned in our Mishnah that on Shabbos you're allowed to put a vessel under the drops of rain so they don't go into onto other things. Now the raindrops are not usable, right? They're mukta. And still you can use a vessel to catch them. Gemara says, but Delaf Haroy, it's the rain that's able to be used. Tashma, come on here. Person Shabbos. You're allowed to spread a mat on top of bricks on Shabbos to protect them from the rain, even though these bricks are for what? They're for building purposes and they're mukta. Still you're allowed to do that. Says, you finished your construction and everything is done and you have a couple of leftover bricks. So they're not planning on using them for, for building anymore. And therefore you could stick up a, a blanket on it, a, some sort of a tarp on it, and then you could sit down on them because they're leftover and you're not planning on using them for construction. Come in here. You're allowed to spread a mat on top of a on top of rocks on Shabbos. At this point, the Gemara thinks we're talking about rocks that don't have a use on Shabbos. They're the Eitzim and Avonim, they're Mukta. Avonim mikur zolais. We're talking about Avonim, nice and smoothly, um, um, smoothly planed bricks or stones. The Chazin, the Vesakise, remember, if they're very nice and smooth and they don't have any rough edges, jagged edges, then they're perfect for using in the bathroom. Imagine the excitement if you saw a nice smooth rock for using in the bathroom. What could be better? Tashima, come in here, approve. You're allowed to spread over a mat, a reed mat, on top of a beehive on Shabbos. In this hot weather in the summer because of the sun, and in the rainy season for rain purposes, to protect it from the rain. As long as your intention was not to trap the bees. So to over here, the cases where it has honey. And the reason why you're allowed to do it is not because you're protecting the bees, because protecting the bees is mukta. The reason you're allowed to do it is because they're protecting the honey, and the honey is not mukta. Amar lei, This makes sense in the summer months. Because in the summer months, bees produce honey, right? I say summer, by the way, we mean the non-rainy season, right? The other six months of the year. But in the rainy season, there's no honey left there. The Gemara says elsewhere in, in, in Bava Basra, the Gemara is talking about the, when people make sales, what's the intent of specific words? What exactly is that intended to convey? So when you sell a beehive, you sell the beehive together with two honeycombs. Because if you don't sell the two honeycombs, then the bees don't have the food, the necessary energy to do what they need to do to get the beehive started again. So you always leave two, two, um, two honeycombs in your beehive. So even in the winter months when there's no honey that's being produced, but there's still a little bit of honey left behind. So you can say I'm covering it for the sake of that honey. One second. That doesn't change anything. They're set aside from use because you need to leave them there for the bees. You had in mind that you might use them. But if you didn't think about using them, what's the halacha? Indeed, it is forbidden. It says that as long as you didn't intend to trap the bees, then it will be okay to cover it. 
let the Mishnah actually say it explicitly. Why does the Mishnah have to say it as a condition? The Mishnah typically in these types of scenarios, the Mishnah typically will say explicitly. What is the case in which it's put for the beehive? When you had in mind that I intend possibly use the, the last two honeycombs. But if you did not have a mind to possibly use the last two honeycombs, Asr is forbidden to cover it. This is what he's saying. Even though we thought about using it. As long as he does not intend to trap the bees. But my Kimta, what, what's the case exactly now? How have you set it up? What's the case of covering a beehive? Rabbi Yehuda, like Rabbi Yehuda, the Islay Mukta, who holds a Mukta. What are you going to do with the later case? As long as he doesn't have intention to trap the bees. That's according to the opinion of Rabbi Shimon. In other words, if it's true that when you cover a beehive, you're trapping bees, unless you're Rabbi Shimon, who says that when you do an act and there's an unintentional consequence, then you are, it's, it's actually permitted. Rabbi Yehuda says when you do an act, it's unintended consequence, it's still forbidden to do that act. So Rabbi Huda would say you're not allowed to cover over a beehive, even if it's just an unintended consequence that it will trap the bees. Well, okay, then it has to be the opinion of Rabbi Shimon if it says you're allowed to cover it as long as you didn't intend to trap the bees. Well, the first case of the Mishnah cannot be Rabbi Shimon because it's being, I'm sorry, the first case of the Mishnah has to be the opinion of Rabbi Huda, right? So what are you going to do? But Tisbar Rabbi Shimon, are you going to explain that the second case is Rabbi Shimon and that's why it's permissible to cover it because the fact that you're trapping is unintentional? You still can't pull it off. It can't be the position of Rabbi Shimon. Because even Rabbi Shimon agrees, if this is a un, this is a certain consequence of the action, it might be unintended or not unintended, it doesn't make a difference, it's forbidden. The same way we find that if you cut the chicken's head off, right? you can't say, I got the chicken's head off, I wanted the head for my, for my baby to play with, right? It doesn't work. When you cut a chicken's head off, the chicken dies, right? There's no, there's no other option, okay? You have to say that the entire mission is going to be in Rabbi Yudah. What are we dealing with here? This baked fee, where the <coughs> you did cover the beehive, and the beehive has a little bit of an opening, and that little opening, the bees can actually escape from, and therefore they're not considered caught unless you intended to catch them. But look, and do not explain according to Rabbi Yehuda, as long as you didn't have in mind to trap the bees. Rather say, Rather read, not that you didn't intend to trap them, because guess what? If they're not really trapped, it doesn't make a difference if you intend to trap them or not, because they're not really trapped. You have to say the case is really meant to be read as that you did not make it into a mitsuda. You did not make it into a, a situation in which it was actually capturing the bees. Pshita, this is obvious. What might you have thought to say? Maybe you only say that, that when you trap something, it's only forbidden if it's a kind of thing that is typically trapped. But if it's a species that typically is not captured, then maybe says, Does the Mishnah say that we're talking about in the summer and in the winter? It says in sunny weather because of the sun. And the rainy weather because of the rain. So what does this mean? We're talking about in the months of Tishrei and the months of Nisan. Where it says maybe your whole question is not a question. Your whole question was always based on understanding that when it says in the rainy months and the hot months, it means in the rain in this in the winter and in the summer. And in the winter, we know that there's no honey. Maybe really you should read it as these transitional months when you're going from the summer season to the rainy season, the rainy season to the summer season. And we're saying is, is that once you're in that time period, it's always permissible because in that time period, there's always honey. So the whole question falls off. 
and you put a vessel underneath the dalaf, underneath the raindrops on Shabbos. Tana was taught, if the vessel became completely full, he can pour it out and pour it out, and he doesn't have to be concerned, he doesn't fill himself back. There was rain dripping in the rechaya, in the vessel, in the, sorry, in the mill of Abaya. Also, the Kameh the Rabbi came in front of Rabbi Amalei said to him, Zil, Aile, go like this. Go, you're not allowed to just do it to protect your flower. That's not permissible on Yamalei. Go bring Lepurecha Lahasim, bring your bed into there. You're going to take a camp at night in your mill. And then what will happen is the, then what will happen is the, the actual, um, the mill, the, the mill, or the, sorry, the bed will turn, will turn gross. Okay. And once it becomes gross, bafke, and then you can take it out. Yosef Abaya, Abaya thinking himself, and he had a problem with this. We, we learned earlier in Mesechtas Beya, you're not allowed to create a situation where you're going to have a, um, a chamber pot and cause to have a chamber pot, right? That's forbidden to do. Once it becomes a chamber pot, then you're allowed to move it because it's gross. While he's sitting there and thinking, his, uh, his entire mill breaks. Amar, he said, Tesili, I had it coming, basically, right? The Abi had the Mar because I, I, I possibly, I questioned Mar, his master, right? Rabba was Abaya's first Rebbe. I questioned his reasoning. And because I questioned his reasoning, this is what I got what I deserve. Lesson for life, guys. Never question your Rebbe's reasoning. Omar Shmuel. Shmuel said, Graf Shel Re'i, the Ovet Shel If you have the Graf Shel Re'i, which is the chamber pot, and the Ovet Shel is like the place where they would urinate in. There were two different um, uh, pots. You're allowed to take them out to the, to the garbage dump. When you bring them back, you're allowed to put water inside of them and then bring them back. Because why should you do that? Because the, the kli is actually muktza, and therefore you shouldn't be carrying it around unless you were carrying it out of the place where it was causing the smell. So why are you allowed to bring it back from a place where now the smell is gone to some extent? Well, you're carrying water inside, right? Presumably you don't use this water for anything other than washing floors, I guess. I don't know what you would use that water for. Anyways, sever me not. His students thought from here to say, in the the thing which is the container that typically contains gross stuff is only permissible when it actually has the 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 you're only if you're actually carrying out the graph in the vessel, right? If they ask me, but to carry out the graph without the actual vessel, it's not permissible. Tashma, come on here, proof. They found a dead mouse in the in the, you know uh, spices or herbs a container of Ravashi. Ravashi said, said, pick it up by the tail and carry it out. Right? You probably might put on gloves first, right? And then carry it out to say that you don't actually have to move it with the vessel, you can move it even without the vessel. It's like the next Mishnah. Any act for which you'd be liable to a din in Isr Dirabanan, or for which you'd be liable to what we say is a Rishus. Mishum mitzvah, or if it's just a mitzvah that you're going to be in violation of the Shabbos Chayav and Alav Yamtiv. If it's on Shabbos, it would be impermissible due to any one of these four different reasons. And Yamtiv, you're also going to be liable. And this is something which is forbidden on a rabbinic level. You're not allowed to climb a tree. You're not allowed to ride an animal. You can't go swimming in water. And you can't clap your hands. This we already learned a little bit earlier. And you can't, um, you can't uh, um, maybe slap your, slap your what's names, slap your thighs. You're not allowed to dance. And these are things that are only forbidden on a, some sort of rabbinic level, but not quite the same level of rabbinic level. 
you don't make a, a court case. Blame a catch, you don't get married. Blame a chalzin, you don't do chalitza. Blame a yavin, you don't do yibum. Blame a mitzvah. These things are forbidden as a mitzvah. They're forbidden to be done. Blame makdishin, you can't dedicate something to the base of mitzvah. Blame arichin, you can't make a vow. I'm gonna, I vow to give something of this type of value, a 65 year old man or whatever it might be. Blame macharimin, and you can't make a vow of chayrim to say that this is consecrated to Hashem. Blame makdishin, truma semaiser, and you can't collect truma semaiser. Kol elu biyamtiv. These are all forbidden on yamtiv. How much more so on Shabbos did he do it? Ain ben yamtiv the Shabbos ella eichal nefesh bilvad. Right, as we know, the only difference between yamtiv and Shabbos is that on Shabbos eichal nefesh is also forbidden. Right, things which are necessary for food or things which are davar hashav lechal nefesh, food-like type preparation that are necessary for all, or yeah, then that is permissible on yamtiv but not on Shabbos. Lo elu biyinan. Why can't you climb a tree? The concern is perhaps he'll take off a branch, he'll take off a fruit. You can't ride an animal. Maybe he'll leave the tchum, he'll go with the animal past the tchum. And therefore, we don't want you to do that. You have to say from here is that tchum is deraisa, that the laws of tchum must be deraisa. Why? Because if it's only derabanan, you can't go more than 2,000 amas out of the city. Well, then why do you need to be concerned? Why would the chacham make exera exera? So rather, the concern is something else. We don't want to be forced to say that Tchumen is the Raisa, because that's really So instead, what we're going to do is we're going to say that the concern, why you shouldn't ride an animal on Shabbos, is because it's a concern that you might then come to break off a, a, a branch and use it as your whip. You can't go swimming in water. The concern is that you'll make yourself a, a, a life-saving raft. You can't clap, you can't do a knee slapper, and you can't do dance. Because maybe then you'll come to, once you start doing some dancing, maybe you'll then actually come to fix a musical instrument, which would be a problem of Masak and Mana, of Maki Bukhatish, the final act. You're not allowed to make judgments. What do you mean you're doing a mitzvah? It's needed for a case where there's a, a better judge than him. In other words, you might say you're doing a mitzvah, and don't don't say this just as a shvus. I'm sorry, don't say this just as a rishus. This is an optional act, but not that it's actually a mitzvah act and still forbidden. It's an, it's why is it in a mitzvah act? Anytime you judge, you're doing a mitzvah. And where it says you are doing a mitzvah, however, the it's not such a mitzvah because there's someone who could do it even better than you. So as far as mitzvah is concerned, there's another person out there who could do a better job. So the only reason why this is something that you would be doing would be a rishus. It would be an optional type of act, and we don't do it because of the because of the concern. That um, because we don't want you to engage in these types of activities.